What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. We are joined this week by Raquel Rodriguez. Now, if you don't know anything about Raquel, let me cut to the chase. Okay, She is a fantastic, world-class soccer player. Originally from Costa Rica, she had an incredible college career here in the States. Let's let's review the rap sheet, shall we? After what she uh, is going to tell you a little bit about today would consider a slow start, she ended up leading Penn State to a national championship. She was named by multiple outlets the Division I Women's National Player of the Year. Okay. And before she accomplished all that in the middle there somewhere, she led Costa Rica to its first ever FIFA Women's World Cup appearance where she scored the first goal. No less. She was then nominated for an ESPY as one of the best female college athletes in America. She was subsequently drafted uh, in the National Women's Soccer League and (laughs) was the rookie of the year shortly thereafter. So an incredible athletic background. What was so much fun today was to hear kind of her origin story, right? How does a young girl in Costa Rica end up playing soccer in the States? And you're going to hear it's a little bit of talent, but a whole lot of resilience and determination. So, man, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, She has an incredibly positive outlook and she also has her own podcast. So uh, if you enjoy what you hear today, make sure to check out her own show. It's called Seed of the Day. You can listen to it on Spotify with that. If you are enjoying the show, please do make sure to subscribe. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rate and a review. We really appreciate it. And it certainly helps. If you'd like to drop me a line or follow the show, you can also go over to KenGunter.com. That's a great way to get in touch with us there. And make sure to stick around for the end of the episode where I run it by my wife, Sonia Gunter. All right, folks. Well, with that said, let's welcome Raquel to the show. Here we go. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. (laughs) Rocky, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for the invite. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Pleasure to have you. Such an esteemed athlete such as yourself. I've had a a blast diving into your athletic background. Wow. That's very generous. I'm interesting to hear what you've... um, What what I found? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No. Well, you know, and maybe we could even start here. Um, I mean, look, you're incredibly accomplished in college, national player of the year. Uh, I think you were the second overall pick, right, for the National Women's Soccer League, and, and you won Rookie of the Year, and then uh, member that amazing uh, World Cup run for Costa mm-hmm. Rica in 2015, um, right? So there, there's no probably shortage of like topics athletically that we could dive into, but but what I would love to hear about is um, you know your actual path to coming and playing in the states mm-hmm. in college out out of Costa Rica. How how did that opportunity kind of come about for you, and and is that typical or was that truly kind of like a unique situation that you created for yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I had a really clear when I was like a girl, I already knew that I wanted to play professional soccer. I was just so passionate about it since a young age. Hmm. Um, But I was born and raised in Costa Rica, which I absolutely love my home country. But especially at the time, the opportunities weren't, there weren't 
not many opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I already knew at a young age that I, in order to, you know, go out for my dreams, like I had to leave my country. And mm. somehow my dad knew about the so-called like athletic scholarships <laughs> um, for college here in the U.S. And he would ah. always tell me, um, like he was a huge influence, not only in soccer, but also like having that mentality of like, you know, go, get out there and take advantage of soccer, get your studies and then, you know, and then we'll see what happens. But uh, that's sort of how it like that mentality that I had started. Yeah. And um, as I grew up, though, like it was you said, if it's like a, it, it doesn't happen often, especially there's like a couple of players that I can think of, including myself, who have been able to play overseas and hmm. stay there. You know, there, a lot of players have gone overseas and they come back to Costa Rica um, just because uh, the lack of opportunity and the lack of resources, it's really hard to thrive and then to go out and compete against the best in the world. And, and yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's the right. development is just different. <laughs> yeah. And, and has that development uh, begun to change in Costa Rica with some of the success that the women's team has had, or is there, is there still a lot of ground to make up? There is still a lot of ground to make up. Like, so a couple of things that have changed um, from when I was there and I was like in, you know, I was an adolescent. Um, so now at least the players get stipend because um, mm. you can't call that it's not a salary at all so it's more like a stipend to help them um, but the players they all I, I think all the teams train and including the national team we have to train early in the morning like 5 a.m 6 a.m because players have to go and work because oh, they, wow. they need to live off of something and soccer is not it so um, that just says sort of like it's a totally different reality Um now the national tournament, uh, it's an amateur tournament, but at least mm. now they're being televised uh, once one game per weekend. It's being televised, I think, at least one game per weekend. Um, but you know, when and so people in Costa Rica are saying, like, you know, yes, there's more support, this and that. But you have to understand, we we are in the area of Concacaf, and there's two top ten t the world the world cup champion is in our area, which is the U S right. um, right. and then you got Canada, which is also top 10 in the world consistently. And then, and then you have Mexico who, when you compare it resource wise, um, five or six years ago, they started um, with, they established like a professional league and, mm. and they had a vision, right? So for the first five years, they had this like law that there were no international players in the league, right? So you can see that oh, they wanted wow. to start to develop and they have like a vision and they want to compete. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, they have like world-class stadiums and facilities. They can do that. Um, but when I think of Costa Rica, like, okay, yes, maybe we don't have the same facilities, but there must be something better that we can do. Then, like, let's use what we have in order to get better. But that's where I'm like, I feel like we're just losing that. I don't know if it's a competitive edge. I don't know if it's indifference. Um, mm. I don't know if it's like we're our worst enemy because <laughs> it's already hard enough when we go and compete out internationally. Um, the players who are playing in Costa Rica, 
the intensity is just not the same, right? So it's ah, always okay. a shock. It's always a shock when we got called to national team and, you know, our national team coach is trying to, you know, get the players to get into that, like, intensity of play. Once we start whatever tournament we're at, international tournament representing Costa Rica, it's always like yeah. the first game is always like a slap on the face. It's like, okay, welcome back to to the international level. So to answer your question though, it's like some things have changed, but I like even so you see Jamaica too. Other hmm. other teams and countries who aren't necessarily uh ranked whatever number in the world they're also getting better. <laughs> you know, uh, Jamaica has a lot of players playing in the U.S. And oh wow! for example, right, and, and yeah, we, we have some players playing in Europe, others in the U.S. It's not consistent, though. And it, it's like you if you sleep on it, like you, you will wake up one day and be like, whoa, like the competition is getting better. Play, like other countries are busy trying to get better and I feel like we can just stay behind and I feel like mm. it's already happening. Hmm. So well, it's frustrating. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't, I can't even imagine. Well, and you know, for, for you to come from Costa Rica, come to the States, be the national player of the year. Right. Um, did, did you know early on and like, I guess, was it identified within even Costa Rica that like you were an exceptional talent? Or was it, has it been kind of like a long road and kind of through some of this stuff, like, you know, mindset and determination that you've kind of like built yourself into the player that you are today? And I, I, I imagine there's a, there's a, there's a answer there where it probably is both. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was going to say that. Uh, I think, I don't know, like, especially nowadays, I feel like talent is just like the starting point. Like, mm. you know, but at the time, yes, like I, I feel like people around me and coaches and he, my dad used to play professional soccer in Costa Rica. So he's the oh, one, okay. he's like, he loves soccer and he's hmm. my number one fan. And he's always, he was always really tough on me, but he always says, you know, I was tough on you because I know like how good you were or could be. Yeah. So I think that he was the first one who saw like, Oh, like she has a lot of potential. Let's get on it. Yeah. And um, eventually when I started, like I made my first women's team ever, like we didn't even know there were a women's team, but I was, uh, I was turning 11. Imagine <laughs> that. Like I was turning 11 when we just knew that there was a, a women's soccer team. Um, so yes, I, I feel like I had, you know, the, the technical skills and stuff. Um, and then it, it, there became a point where I, you know, I kept growing. I, I, I was, um, my dad, like, this is, I don't know if it's going to make sense in English, but it's like literal hmm. translation. It's uh, make sure you, you burn uh, each step, like burn the stages or whatever, like faces. So it's, he's been, I was just like developing, right? Like I was growing yeah. like step by step. Uh, but there came a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to go. I'm just. I feel like no one knows about me. <laughs> like yeah. I, I need a scout to see me. I need like the national national team and the competitions with the national team was like, was the best shot I think I had to, to be exposed into college because I had it right. really clear. I, I wanted to go to college first, 
before going professionally. And I feel like it was a good transition anyways, because it was like a lot. Like I, I wasn't ready at that age to go professionally. I feel like there's players like that. Uh, yeah. And it's becoming more uh, like normal now for women to not go to college and go straight professional soccer. But for me, uh, I knew college was going to be still very competitive. Uh, and I got really, I don't like the word luck because it was too, the match was too perfect uh, for me to say that it was luck. But um, hmm. when my Penn State soccer coach saw me, it was during a, a tournament that our national team, the U20s, got invited to. And the Penn State head coach was coaching one of those teams. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So that was just how it happened. But had that not happened, I don't know where I would have huh. been or what yeah. would have happened, you know? Well, that's what I was wondering. It's like, you know, are, are colleges uh, taking the time to like go to Central and South America and like, you know, are they keeping an eye on like top tier young talent? And like, is it common that they're getting recruited to the States? But um, it almost sounds like, you know, you're even like if, if that game hadn't happened against that coach, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And and then you have to add another layer of like there's so many filters, too, because because I knew in the back of my head, like, OK, it's college. I I was again, I say it's coincidence, but mm. me and my brother, my dad is a P, used to be a, t, a PE teacher, like a physical education teacher. OK, awesome. and um so me and my brother, he worked in like American school. Hmm. So me and my brother had a scholarship to go to that school. And that's how we learned English. Oh, so we okay. knew pretty decent English. Um, and so I just, I had to keep my grades up anyways because of the scholarship, but also like for college. Like, so D1 right. schools, like it just, um, you have to have a certain level of uh, capacity to speak English in order sure. to even survive there. So many players like not all players have finished high school even and it, it's yeah. almost like the social problems are also obstacles to mm. you can be great at soccer but i mean i guess there's where thank god for professional soccer right but i'm just saying like college soccer and to get to a competitive college uh, there's so many other filters as well other than like soccer and, and yeah. the athleticism and the level, right? Right, right, right. And, and how how was that process for you, right? Because um, I mean, look, <sighs> it was just, a just nightmare. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. For any any 18-year-old kid, like the kid who grows up in Montana and goes to the East Coast for the first time is like, oh, God, mm -hmm. what a cool shock. But like you're coming from another country. It's, I mean, it sounds like you spoke it earlier, but, it, you know, I guess it's a second language. Like how, how was that transition? It was so tough. <laughs> you're real, okay. <laughs> it was so tough. Um, yeah. I think what kept me going was the fact that I had been through so much, like I had just been waiting for that opportunity that when it came, I was like ready to go. I was terrified, hmm. but I think that the frustration at home was bigger than any other challenge that I could face. Like I was just waiting for that amazing opportunity and it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't going to like a horrible place. It was college. It was, I was going to play soccer. I was going to study and I was going to, you know, meet amazing people. And my coaches, to be honest, like they were very, they made me feel very, um, like they were, they went above and beyond to, to help me with that transition. They were well aware. Mm. Uh, and I think I must've been the first like Latin American Hispanic player that they had. I dare yeah. say that. So, 
um, yeah, when I first came, it was a shock in every way. Yes, like cultural shock. Uh, the language, I thought I knew more than I actually did because I knew oh, okay. like textbook English. So I I had like a an, a slightly easier time during class than like than like outside of class because the slang and the jokes and even the technical soccer language oh, it wow. was zero I had to learn all that and yeah um just it was the first time I was being away from home I'm yeah. such a homebody too so like I, I later later learned that normally freshman kids go and they're parents help them move in most of them right <laughs> right and and don't get me wrong like i as i say this i i had a family away from my family because the team just helped me out so much and my mm. teammates parents were there too and my coaches and my teammates but uh it's still you know little things that no one thinks about but maybe an international player uh has to deal with um I'm trying to think. Uh, of course, then the the huge. I, I didn't know what fitness was. <laughs> oh, really? okay. I, this is I a, mean, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I did. I mean, I of course I, I. Don't get me wrong. Like I, we trained and all, but the U.S. is like, the fittest team in the world. Like that's mm. just it, it, they've always had that standard, and that's always been a correct. They take pride on that. Like it's been always a characteristic of their style of play. Yeah. Um, they they're only getting better and better. Like and and more, uh, they have more and more tools. Like they've always been super athletic, and then they're like, okay, we got to get better at our like technique, and then they just work on it and they get better at it. And now they have both of the things like that. To, uh, to me, that's why one of the reasons why they're the best in the world. But I was introduced mm -hmm. to college soccer, and it was so quick, like so a lot of running than I was used to because I was playing in Costa Rica. Imagine it back mm. like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Um, right. it, so it was a lot of a shock. Oh yeah. A I lot bet. Of a shock. Well, and, and something I wanted to ask you too, when, when you mentioned you were kind of frustrated at home, was was that frustration with just like that lack of competition or are you talking like, is it, is it other issues that were going on and you were just like <laughs> kind of ready to go to that next step? I think I was frustrated with the lack of opportunity. Um, uh. So, oh, I mentioned too that it was a nightmare, the whole process to get to be eligible to play in college. Oh, yeah. um, I think I was like, I was training so hard because I wanted to be ready to come to college. So um, I always say like the college system here is made so that athlete, student athletes can thrive at doing both things. Hmm. But in Costa Rica, there's like, you got to figure it out on your own. Right. So I was mm. trying to train hard, but also trying to make up for the classes that I would miss. So it was all on me. Like, yes, the, my classmates and professors would help me out, but I was the one calling. I was the one like sleeping five hours the most sometimes. Uh, yeah. and, and I mean, I, you know, a teenager needs to sleep and, and I wasn't yeah. sleeping much. Right. So I just was very frustrated and I was almost burned out at one point. Um, hmm. and, and then of course, back then it was worse too. Like the training conditions weren't the best. Like, the stipend we were getting was like almost like an insult. Like it's little things mm. like that, that I was like, I cannot wait to get out of here. 
Yeah. Because I, it's just a lot of um, sacrifice in a way. So I was just, it was frustration of like, yeah, just lack of opportunity, lack of uh, like interest to make the uh, the conditions of not na- like the national team better. Yeah. And, and yeah, just and women's it, soccer in Costa Rica better. Yeah. And it sounds too like, um, like the lack of like that support system, like you said, like the having to, to navigate it on your own and like, you know, it, there was no, nothing to like carry you along the process. It sounded like the way that uh, a lot of us are accustomed to here in the States. Yeah, exactly. Like no system in place, not even from the government, not from, you know, like, of course, a lot of people helped me throughout. And I mean, my family was, I mean, they probably, it was probably harder for them than for me because they, you know, my mom knew that as soon as I would get home, like I need to eat, go study and go sleep. Right. So she would make sure that I had like something to eat as soon as I would get there. Like, in like there was a plenty of years because I started really young. So at one point my mom had to go from work, pick me up from school, get me to the field to train. Um, and then, like I said, like classmates would help me out. Like, of course, like I wouldn't have been, able to do any of this if I didn't have that help. But it's like, why, like, it's like the lack of support to our athletes at Mm. home. Like it can be better and it should be better. It's been better in the last years. Um, But my frustration at that point was like, I am like, like striving for this Mm -hmm. and I've hit rooftop already at home. So I was like, okay, like I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's, that's understandable. And so, so what was that experience like when you got to college, understanding that transition was tough? Uh, you mentioned that you hadn't, you hadn't truly been introduced to fitness yet. What, what was that experience like? <laughs> well, I can tell you my coaches have a lot of funny stories that I, I yeah. don't really remember many. I probably blacked out. <laughs> um, it was, it was amazing. I still have the memory of the very first game of our season Okay. Uh, we had to go to uh, Virginia to play against UVA. Mm-hmm. And that conference is known, I'm sure still to this day, but at that time for sure, like that conference is known to be really like just shifty, skillful, like quick play, like one, two touch. Mm. Um, and it was very simple soccer, very quick, but I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up. And it was like, I remember the coaches were like, well, welcome to like, college soccer, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it was like, oh my gosh. Like it's, I, I didn't feel prepared and it was, I'm going to, I'm going to be very honest. Like during season or uh, preseason, I, <laughs> I was going, I was walking, I was in the building where our coaches uh, offices were. And here I, I see coach, like we just bump against each other. She's like, Oh, Rocky, how are you doing? Just like a casual, like she probably expected me to say, "Oh, good, like have a nice yeah, day, whatever." Just, and yeah, I, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I just started bawling. <laughs> I was like, "Coach, like," um, but I came from a environment where, like, we were given absolutely nothing, and so I started mm-hmm. bawling because I felt like I didn't deserve to get the sneakers um. that you get, the cleats that you get, all the gear, and like a full scholarship. I I felt like I wasn't given back what I was given in a way. Mm. So it was like even a shock in that sense. Like I I learned that you had to, you didn't deserve things or you had to 
you always do have to earn your spot or your right your salary your whatever it is right but also like I, it was just two extremes i feel like i came from a place where i um had to figure it out on my own always to a place mm-hmm. where like hey whatever you need just talk to us and we can figure it out so right. i just felt like i wasn't deserving of being there i i was like i'm not good enough to be here you huh. know and so coach had to deal with that <laughs> she just sat she was an ama- amazing person like she's like like another they were both like m- another mom for me like just role models more like moms yeah uh, more than moms um but they um yeah she just sat down with me and she was very very nice like she handled it pretty well she's like rocky like you're just a freshman like i've already seen when you can do on the field like you don't have to like just prove anything to me like i know what you can give and like you're a freshman you're like you're just Mm -hmm. starting like we'll take it one day at a time blah 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 so but like that's it was a lot for me in every sense like just emotionally a lot (laughs) yeah well i mean like any 18 year old kid like that first year of college and like i I play college football and i mean it's yeah it's a rude awakening um and so and I can't even imagine trying to deal with that while being so far from home and then dealing with a language barrier. So forget all the challenging aspects of just being like a young college student or a young college athlete. It's like you're dealing with all these other headwinds as well that just probably make you feel uncomfortable, I'd have to imagine. Um, yes. So, so how, how did that tide start to turn for you? Because uh, as, we, as we look ahead to how that story ended, yeah. uh, you ended up excelling rather well yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i think i think my coaches were uh (laughs) because the first and second year they were both really rough there's a there's a term for the sophomore year the sophomore sophomore slump yes okay um and i didn't know about it but my sophomore year again this is our our postseason meetings with the coaches they asked me how did you feel and i just started bawling again (laughs) (laughs) i didn't cry that much i'm just telling you the two times i cried <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no that's fair that's fair um no but uh yeah the very because of very the two first years were very tough the coaches were like are you gonna come back after the holidays like make sure you get on that plane <laughs> but i yep. was like no i will for sure like i'm if anything i'm a committed person you know i'm I told them on that meeting, I feel like because they asked me to come for the summer to train in college because Mm -hmm. they were like, where are you going to train? Like, we have everything here. Like, I can't imagine there's a better setup for you in Costa Rica than here. And I was like, "Okay, fair. Like, I get it. So I came in a bit or like halfway through the summer to train and then season didn't go well for, for the team in general. But also for myself, I had like a weird like bur- like body burnout sort of thing. And on that meeting, I told them I am willing to do anything that it takes. I just feel like I'm competing against against like the best athletes in the world. And I I just don't see the result. I don't I don't see it like I don't see mm-hmm. it. And so I feel like it was a rough conversation. But then for my uh, the third year and fourth year, it's when I started to, the place started to feel like home already because it was just a matter of time, I think, and yeah. experiences and have honest conversations. So the third year, um, I think it's common in college that the older 
players are like the captains usually, right? Um, yep. So now I had like a different role. They, you know, they, I think that the work that we had put in for the first and second year, although it wasn't at that point, it hadn't been like, I hadn't seen the best results. It still was worth it because thanks to what happened, we were able to adjust some things. And third and fourth year was like the cherry on top of my personal career. But as, as right. for the team, it was an amazing year. Um, and I think it was just a matter of time. Uh, the team culture that the coaches had been working on just like bloomed for those two years, especially the fourth year. Um, and I think as I started to feel more comfortable on this foreign, what used to be a foreign place, uh, was more like home. Like I would look for, like I would miss my teammates now and like look forward to go back to college. And, and as also with my classmates, uh, the senior, right. The senior class, it was, there's something special about that. So now I'm like emotionally involved too, and like invested and it all came you know, it all came together. And of course, at this point, the soccer part too, I'm like, I'm, I'm now competing. I'm used to it. Like I'm trying to, yeah, yeah it's, it was like, it's, it was just a matter of time and growth. And mm. I think I give it a lot of, like, I think college sports have such an amazing, they are super amazing because they develop the athletes. It does such a, it's four years, but it's critical four years, I think. Oh yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and um, I mean, I have a couple questions for you, but you know, one thing I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to hear your perspective and sometimes people don't enjoy talking about themselves, but like, you know, for you, what is it that sets you apart as a player? You know, like, like, I guess what, what is it that you think sets you apart from the others? And especially in those last two years in college, like what started putting you ahead of the rest of the pack? Yeah, that's always a, a really hard question for me to answer because and I never give like a this, this, and that. Like it's always yeah. uh, broccoli, lots of sleep, and <laughs> right, phenomenal right. footwork. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think I've always been a player who is like creative, and I feel like every mm. midfielder says I'm a midfielder. Yeah, every midfielder says that. <laughs> like I'm just a creative. I have vision, but at least during the college years. Um, I always bring up the fact that we had a lot of chemistry. You know, I was, I was, mm-hmm. a, I feel like I was a leader by example. Okay. Um, but also like a lot of my success depended on the players around me, you know, so I can't talk right. about what I'm good at without talking about how good the people around me are as well, because I depend mm-hmm. on uh, our chemistry and the, the type of passes I receive as a midfielder at the timing before the mark gets to me, for example, then, but I think, yeah. I think what sets me apart is just, um, my technical skills allow me to, you know, keep the ball or, or maybe make decisions that people wouldn't expect. And so I think mm. it's like that unpredictability, like keep the defenders like thinking and uncomfortable, you know, like if, if you're going to block this part, then I'm going to do this other thing, you know? So I try to stay unpredictable and I feel like I am like the a glue or bridge between the lines. Um, that would be no, that, answer. <laughs> that, no, that is that. I mean, it's, it's super interesting. Right. And some people would be like, they wouldn't even mention their team in the first five minutes yeah. of that. They'd be like, I am an awesome scorer. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, for you, like, how did you develop like that technical skill set? I feel like 
the technical part of me is my biggest or one of my biggest uh, like strengths. But mm. that developed when I was when my dad was training me. <laughs> that developed when I was uh, playing pickup on my neighborhood. We yeah. would play. Um, I always say we would put like two rocks, like what two, three yards apart of each other, right? And that was one of the goals, two rocks yeah. on the other side. And there's no rules. So it's pickup. You play. You would use the houses. At, like, <laughs> So there's a sidewalk, and you would use that to, like, the, the ball bounces against the wall. So you, right? So you, like, something like, like part, that. Part of the field, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. As if that was a player, but, like, the ball just bounces off the wall, and you keep playing. Like, there's no rules. So you got to figure out a way to beat the opponent. And so that – with I also would play soccer all the time in school. Um, I would play it against boys. But at that age, though, it's pretty uh, equal. Yeah. In terms of like, physicality, um, mm-hmm. but also my dad would coach me um, constantly, like uh, more formally, like every Saturday, because he would coach a group of kids. Um, he mm. would take me and my brother. Um, so that was literally the foundation. I feel like of my uh, style of play. Uh, hmm. Later on, like I started to learn about, you know, tactics and how to move, where to move positions. But uh, the foundation for me was uh, when I was a kid, just like, yeah, just how to control the ball, like j- how to think quick, how to be creative, think out of the box kind of thing. So it, have you, man, I think it's um, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Have you ever read that book? Mm. No. Okay. It's worth a read. You might you might find some of yourself in it. Cool. Uh, but I think it's I think it's Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. Anyways, if it's not, I'll I'll follow up at the end of the show with with what it is. Um, but that that is like one of the characteristics of uh, soccer, definitely. But a lot of these players who come from other countries outside of the U.S. and like their style of like backyard play. Uh, yeah is very different than the actual confines of the game. So like they play in either a much smaller area or they play with obstacles or a much smaller ball or, and uh, you know, there's a lot of research that says like the, the creativity that comes out of playing that game and thinking outside the box translates usually to an athlete who's a lot more creative on the mm-hmm. field or like has a greater technical skill set. So um, it's interesting to hear that you just, you know, kind of like reference a lot of those things in your background because I remember reading them like, Oh wow, I've been, yeah. Sorry. I've been playing in a full gym my whole life. No wonder. <laughs> parents, That's parents, true. That's true. Yeah, I actually, in the, um, I have a, a couple of friends who work with academies here in the oh, okay. U.S. And it's, it, they say like, it's become a problem how, even sometimes it's the parents too. Like, how can we get better? Like you get so competitive that it's almost counterproductive. And right. there's a, there's a time for everything. And when you're a kid, you have to just enjoy the game like let the, the amazing things about kids is that they they're so creative and they play they think so out of the box right. so th- that's just like the phase where you're at and you have to live it once mm-hmm. you you know you keep growing then you'll learn different things but i feel like it's become so competitive like academies, academies want to win games and tournaments and so they're starting to you know, put kids in, in a such structured environment that it's, it's actually not great. Um, but it's just interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like it happens mostly in the U S because sports is such a huge thing. Like there's no Mm -hmm. other country. I feel like that in a way you have to have, you have to invest in sports here to, 
to make it to the top. Whereas in other countries, you usually just play. You don't have to necessarily pay to play. Hmm. So it's an interesting thing. Well, and what's what's scary too? So I, I've got three kids. My daughter's now six, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not out with her in the backyard six days a week running uh, wind sprints. But it's you know, it's yeah, it's it's crazy. Like a lot of parents in this country, at least, take it way too far. Right. Um, and, and they, tr they take the fun out of the game. And I know you mentioned that you even experienced burnout, I think in high school. Um, but I think that, I think that's a real risk, right? It's like, if you make it so structured, then you mm -hmm. put so much pressure on these kids at a young mm -hmm. age, like you're, you're, you're kind of, like I said, taking, taking their legs out from underneath them because you've stolen the love of the game. Right. And yeah. you, you've professionalized it way before <laughs> they were ready for that. Yeah. Um, no, so, so I don't know. Interesting to hear your take on that as well. Um, well, one question I had for you is, are, are, while you were in college, were you having to balance, uh, you know, commitments to the, the Costa Rican national team at that time too? Or did that kind of start towards the end of, of your college career? No, I had to always balance it out. Like if I would get hmm. called, um, that was actually the conversation I had with the coaches before I even went to Penn State. Um, but our coach herself uh, had been, had worked with the, the senior U.S. Women's National Team as well. So she um, oh, sure. she was well aware and it was always like, yeah, like we'll also always support you with the national team. So um, if there was a call up, uh, I would just have to notify, you know, the professors and my coach and then we would work it out. It was... Yeah, how long would you, how long would you be away when when you would have to like go play with the team? Usually, it would be for the like tournaments. So I mean, the, hmm. uh, that most at most what two weeks, two weeks away. Oh, okay. Um, so, so when you go play with the national team, it's not like there's like this long training camp leading up to these tournaments where you get to build chemistry and the team nah, like you know no. knows how to work together it's like you're an all-star team nah. yeah exactly <laughs> absolutely it exactly together. exactly, oh, exactly. it's um it, that's a, that's another thing that i wish was different it's like we how can you expect results when you don't invest that's a, like it sounds basic mm. but it doesn't happen um no we would get called up for the tournament. So if you are in the country back then, I believe um, you would get called like a couple weeks or days before. And the people who were local, you know, they would have been playing at least, at least more, but I would fly directly to the, to the tournament. So, really? yeah. So <laughs> it's very <laughs> different. Like wild. I said, it's just two different realities. Like you and, and the best teams in the world, they usually plan the year or at least have a tentative like schedule for the year. They have camps, they have, um, yeah, they, there's some sort of continuity, right. Mm. To get right. So that when you get to the like performance tournament where you have to compete and have to win, that's like, you're ready. Right. But we we're not there yet. <laughs> and I don't know what has to happen, but it's like, like you said it exactly like you'll get called up you know, let's get a quick, like, organize, like, organize your players, like, and let's just hope for the best. Oh, wow. So, so, I mean, what, what happened with that team in 2015? Because that's the first time the Costa Rican women's team yeah. has, has ever qualified for the World Cup. Was that, was that just uh, kind of, you know, you had a year where there were a lot of fantastic athletes 
all kind of around the same time and, and you're just able to get it out or was there great chemistry? Like, Yeah, I, so the one thing I will say uh, in Costa Rica, because there's not many players, the ones that we have, we really have to take care of. <laughs> so uh, uh, the bigger group of us had been playing together since forever, since okay. years ago. Um, yeah. And at that time, it seemed like we were all like in a, like for, for what was our level, we were all mm. in a good place. So yeah, like it, it happened that year, but like, that's the thing. Like, even though we wouldn't have many days of preparation for the tournaments, we still knew each other from years ago. So mm. at least I know, like my, t I know this teammate so well, you know, I know what, like what to expect from her. She knows what to expect from me sort of thing. So I think, because of everything that we had already been through literally from years ago. Um, it's it's a double-edged sword because you always have the same people, you know them so well, but at the same time, you don't produce players. You Like if you don't perform, we, we need you to perform. Like we can't afford that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. there's no, not that competition of like, oh, if you're not performing, you're going to either ne get benched or not called. Up. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, so, but yeah. for that year, it was just, it was a good year for us. And, and it happened, uh, I believe, also the World Cup was in Canada. And mm. I think I think there was like another open spot where usually there wasn't. And oh, so really? that, that helped. But I, yeah. But you guys played. I mean, I have but a lot we of fun. Still, well, we were still second. We were second. It was a U.S. us. So we qualified second. You right. Know, we well, were over then, Mexico. Yeah. And then in that first round, I mean, what, you had two draws. And then the, the, just the last Oof. game, I think, was a loss to Brazil or something, right? Like, it's oh, you guys yeah. played really, really well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it was our first time ever we were playing against uh, Spain, the first game. Mm -hmm. It was their first World Cup as well. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But they were, I think that they were expecting to win because their league is, uh, it's more developed than ours. Like it's Spanish. It, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah. They were like, they were insulted. <laughs> they were insulted that they had tied against us. Oh, God, I know I that, that for a fact. I, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, how, how, I mean, you know, for you, so what you were, was that, were you still a senior at Penn state? That was the summer before my senior season. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, what what did that that mean to you? Because, like you said, from a young age, you knew you wanted to be a professional soccer player. And I, I, what's, I mean, not to make it more than it was, you know, but no one from your country, you're, like the women's team, had never gone to the World Cup. Like, how amazing was it to actually like achieve that? Um, you know, while you were having such amazing on the field success at Penn State. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> no, I just, I mean, you know, like how, 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 um, you know, how, how special was that for you to be oh, able yeah, to, yeah. to go to the world cup yeah. of Costa Rica? It was, it was a dream come true. Like the whole country, yes, the whole country was watching, but I couldn't stop thinking about how many women were watching us who played soccer before us. And they, mm. I know for a fact that they were living it through us. Like we represented them. Yeah. And so for me, it was not only, I was living my dream, but I was living the dream of a, a whole, a huge population in Costa Rica. And right. so it was bigger than, it was really big. It was bigger than my own dreams too. It was like a, a big group of women's dreams as well. And then, I also scored on that 
on that game. I was the first one to score for a national team. Um, we tied just 1-1. But I remember <laughs> – I can't believe I want to say this again. No, I love – yeah, please, please. But I was crying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was crying on oh, our way bet. back to the hotel because I I was just like reflecting and I was like it, it could have been anyone who scored mm-hmm. but it was me and I I wanted to be the first one don't get me wrong but you know like I I always want to be the first one to score or the one to score um yeah. but still like it could have been anyone and so I was just feeling so grateful it wasn't a win you know but it it represented so much more yeah. Even if it was a tie, like, don't get me wrong, I would have loved to win. Um, mm. But it was it was a lot of everything. So, yeah, to me, to live the World Cup was and, – and also, you know, like, some players get injured before going to these competitions. And they're, they've been training the, for the oh, full – Yeah, their yeah. whole life for that. And then shit happens. Yeah, I don't <laughs> and, need to realize And, that. like, you know, so, so yeah, it was – it was amazing. My coaches went to watch that game. Oh, actually. did they? Yeah. Awesome. The whole co- coaching staff was there and they got to. And they were, and they were probably like, oh, God, we are going to just wreck people next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were super excited. <laughs> One of them um, also cried. She came to the hotel after and she was like, you're like, just crying. She was like, oh, my gosh, you scored in the World Cup. Like, because they know, uh, they knew how much it meant to me as well. Like, they had been with me through the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Well, and, and you said it had a huge impact on all those those women who came before and played. I mean, what what did that do uh, for that younger generation of female athlete in Costa Rica? I mean, did did you notice uh, a like was there a big change, like a lot of enthusiasm around young female athletics? I think so. Like, I think so. Um, I feel like that was like the first time that I really felt like. The whole country, like not only our families, were aware of it. <laughs> um, and actually, after that World Cup, Costa Rica hosted a couple of years after um, hosted a U seventeen World Cup. Oh, um, very cool! We were supposed to host a World Cup this past January, the U twenties, but COVID uh, hit, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, so it. It, it, it did, right? <laughs> it did something. Um, but I feel like it's very. In Costa Rica, at least, it's very emotional. So it's like the World Cup was happening at that moment. Everyone's like, oh, my God, super cool. And then a couple, like the next year, it's like back to square one. Mm. And I was like, I I thought it was going to be different. I, I could have, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, This is a tipping point, yeah. Yes, yeah, the, the changing point or whatever. And yeah, yeah. it wasn't necessarily that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. I mean, like you've already kind of uh, talked about this a little bit, but it's, it's clear like how much um, investment and structure, like you were saying, like the Mexican league, they weren't letting in outside players. Like they're going to develop talent domestically. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Um, you know, so, so looking ahead a little bit now, a professional athlete uh, and what I, I imagine with access to a lot of great resources, um, you know, like what are you kind of doing today to, to not only continue to perform at a high level, but, you know, see and have longevity in your career? Like mm-hmm. how, how has your training changed? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, every once in a while I sneak one in. <laughs> um, 
Well, I, I, I think in general, I've always been like a very, um, like I, yeah, I take, I, I like to take care of my body and I like yeah. to, yeah, to do what's best for it. Um, mm. I think as the years have gone by in the past, I've let's an example, just with food, for example, I've gone through so many phases. Um, but the way how I feel today with my relationship with food is very much like a balance. You know, I, mm. I have tried like being very, uh, strict with food yeah. and that doesn't, it just doesn't work with me. I'll then like go crazy with food and like eat junk food and like, I just can't do that. Um, so to me, it's like, I've learned and, and I've been working with a sports nutritionist from home. She's, oh, okay. she works with uh, the Olympic committee. Awesome. Um, but she, I feel like gave me a different perspective of seeing food as, as fuel. And it sounds mm. super basic. Uh, you would think, Oh my gosh, like, I mean, I've been playing professionally, what, six years. And like, I'm just realizing this now, <laughs> like, but I feel like <laughs> last year, you know, like it's, it's an interesting relationship. I feel like I was actually just, I wanted to talk in, in my podcast about like body image and, you know, it's, it's really common in athletes and like just mm. mental health in regards to body image and, and your relationship with food. Um, oh, yeah. It, it can get in the way of performance, you know? So I think the way how I view food is I love to eat. Um, in general, I enjoy food so much, but the way I see it, it's, it's fuel. And the quality of that fuel is going to affect my performance. That doesn't mean uh, that I yeah. can't once in a while enjoy my sweets. I'm a sweet tooth. Um, mm -hmm. But I think uh, in the past, I always thought that I was unfit because I was eating too much and that would lead me to eat less. And it's like a, a very horrible cycle because then you eat even yeah. less and then you think you're unfit because you're eating like it's, it's bad. Um, right. And like the demands of what you're doing day to day to require, right. require a lot of fuel. Require yeah. You're not, you're not going to the office and just sitting in front of a computer nine to five. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then it's your fuel, but it's also uh, what you used to recover. Like one of the mm. biggest things to recover too. And in regards to even um like uh, injury prevention, like food has a lot to do with that as well. But hmm. also my habits, um, I feel like I, I'm, I'm in an age, I'm not super old, but. Yeah, no, and I hope I didn't frame that. <laughs> oh, no, People no, no. are listening and they're like, this asshole, this, <laughs> do you just call her old? <laughs> no, it's funny. I mean, I make jokes about it too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I have this routine at night as well, where I, I just roll out. It literally just rolling out stretch before oh, okay. I go to bed because I know that if I don't do that, um, I'll feel stiffer the next day. Mm. Um, so do you hear that alarm? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. Are you, are you in Portland? The, the city of Portland. Gosh, yeah, it is Portland. So many alarms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no worries. Do you want me to repeat that part? Let me get to it water oh you're no you're good yeah get get some water no and that um that's interesting about the rolling out so like when you're rolling out are you using one of those um like you know the, the trigger point rollers i literally you know, use a softball oh use a softball okay softball because oh, that's for a me torture device. yeah <laughs> i like to um i don't know what that's called but just stay on that like a trigger like a one point Yep, and just yep. count and breathe in, breathe out. And like, 
that's how I feel like I get more loosened up. Um, oh, yeah. Especially like in my hips, my glutes. Those are like very important points that I know that I have to take care of. And yep. quads. So basically my whole, <laughs> all nice, my legs. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all important. All important. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then just stretch a little bit. And it, it, it keeps me healthy and it keeps me loose and my range of like range of mobility or range of yeah. motion. Um, yep. So those are like the habits that I know I, I know will keep me healthy. And like you said, like make my career a little longer. Um, mm. it, yeah. I, 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 well, and I think, I think, I think what's interesting there too is, you know, like that's a pretty broad question, but like you immediately went to like, no food and not just like, Oh, I, I count my macros and I do this and that. Right. It was like, I changed my relationship with yes. food. Um, and it's funny, we, we, the, the last episode before this, actually, we just had a, a nutritionist on by the name of um, Dr. Goglia. And he works with, you know, I mean, Marvel superheroes, NFL athlete, whatever. But, <laughs> you know, his like one piece of advice was like, look, like it's got to be sustainable. Like there's so much shit that you could be doing. But like if it's not sustainable, then like it's, you know, it's, it, it's not going to work out for you in the long run. And I kind of feel like I heard the same thing from you a little bit there. Absolutely. You heard exactly what I was trying to say. And, mm. and that's what I meant. Like I went through, I used to count my macros. Okay. It, it worked for a little bit, but I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life or at least for the rest of right. my like soccer career life. Uh, it's yeah. not sustainable. That's literally what I said. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I think I found, I, I'm finally in a place where I found like that balance that I can, um, get the most and, and the most sustainable through time and get the most out of it too. Yeah. Well, and, and since you brought up the podcast too, maybe, maybe we deviate a little bit here and I, I told you this, but I don't think I said it while we were recording, but, um, what I was introduced to you by Dr. Minson at the university of Oregon. Um, and you know, as, as I, as I kind of learned more about your career and, you know, just, um, started following you in general, I was, I've been very, uh, interested in a lot of the things that you have to say, outside of soccer. And the mm. one word that comes to mind for me is conscientious, right? Like very thoughtful, your approach, and you have a lot of great conversations. What I can understand in English, my Spanish is uh, embarrassingly bad. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm just like, it, it seems that you have a lot of very sincere passions outside of soccer. Um, so, I, you know, I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what your, your podcast is and kind of what led to you starting to do that. For sure. Um so my podcast is called The Seed of the Day. Mm -hmm. um, I currently just do it in Spanish um, to start just because I've found that like uh, it's what I can get right now with soccer and, and now that I picked up also playing the piano. Uh, oh, I very like, cool. Yeah, I like, so I'm doing like a lot of random things. So I, yeah. yeah, in order to, again, keep it, keep it going, like I figured let me just do uh, the podcast once in a while in Spanish, cause I used to do it both in Spanish and English. Mm -hmm. Um, but how it started is, um, I guess it started when I was going through like a, a rough season. Uh, it was an off season actually. And I was just having like a lot of conflict with another person, <laughs> my boss at the time, this yep. is another job outside of soccer. And, ah, okay. um, and so I one day decided to, I was, I mean, I was driving to work and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to be grateful 
for, Hmm. you know, the car that I have right now that I can come or whatever. And I decided to share that on social media and I just kept doing that. And I named it the seat of the day because me and a friend just had that joke, like whatever she would bend with me. And I was like, I gave her like my five cents about it. And I was like, yo, then that's your seat for the day. And it just came, <laughs> the title just came out from a joke. Um, that's awesome. so I literally put the hashtag there. And so that's, so then I stopped doing that and people were like, Oh, like where's the seat of the day? Like we miss it. And I was like, Oh, like people are actually reading and listening. Like, right. Cause it started as a joke. So I decided to be like more like intentional and just formalized. And at that time I was doing uh, like a four minute video every week, like once a week. Um, and that's how it started. Um, eventually. Hmm. So the, the first season I call it, um, it's all on my social media too, but, uh, I made 42 seats of the day. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, a lot of commitment as someone who, as someone who has a podcast, <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you people, that's a lot of commitment. Okay. It's a lot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So then, then the pandemic hit and I was like, let me just take a break. Um, and I picked it up this year again, uh, in podcast format and, um, awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, and, and let me ask you this too. Um, you know, where, where are you looking to for like inspiration or for positivity or, you know, to help you, um, you know, keep like a positive mindset? Like, yeah. where does that come from? Yeah. yeah um, I guess, uh, in, it depends on where I'm at in life, <laughs> but, yeah. um, I'm always like, because I know I'm doing the podcast, I always keep it in the back of my mind. So I'm always like mm-hmm. in the lookout. So whether it's a conversation with a friend, um, or right now I have been like, haven't read much, but like last year and the year the previous year, I was reading a lot too. So, yeah. um, I would get ideas from, from, uh, the things I would read, even experiences or like reflections on my own about an experience, you know, and that's mm. how it actually started. It was like, listen, like I was doing this and then I, I thought, well, how about this other perspective? And that's how we started. It was literally just sharing my take and my perspective on, on an experience that I just had. Um, and I, I just enjoy, I I enjoy like talking about reflections and like perspective and always taking the, like a lesson out. Like it doesn't matter what happens. It's like, what do you learn? And Hmm. I think just that there's always something to say. Yeah. And, and do you pr- approach uh, your athletic career the same way? I definitely try to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it really is incredible, you know, because oftentimes, uh, you know, I myself, I'm like, is, are people taking anything away from this? I'm like, do they really want to hear about what? I, and it, it really is incredible how powerful it can be to share. And especially like if you can put positivity back out there or an insight that helped you get through something. Um, man, that stuff is so powerful. So. Uh, very cool. And I can see why people demanded that seat of the day come back after that initial short hiatus. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. Well, cool. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Looking, looking forward, cause I know I've kept you for almost an hour here. Um, you know, what, what's, what's kind of next for you uh, in your athletic career. So this will hopefully be your first full season with Portland, right? I know last year was just brutal with the pandemic. Um, you know, what, what's kind of your, your near and long-term goals athletically? Yeah. Um, it's really interesting because, uh, I feel like Portland is a a club that I've over, or, 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 (laughs) 
can't talk right now. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Portland is a club that I always dreamed of uh, mm. to play with. And it, it's because it's like just a very professional club, very competitive. I always mm-hmm. said I wanted to be in the one of the best teams in the world with, you know, the best players in the world. Um, yep. And I feel like this is it. Um, so to me, when I was here last year, it was, it was, it took a lot for me to get to Portland, you know, let alone, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked a little bit about how I started then college. And then, um, I was drafted to, to sky blue, but, yeah. um, even coming to Portland, which sky blue was a great experience as well. I like, I grew a lot from it. Um, mm-hmm. but I knew it wasn't necessarily a club where I wanted to stay. But mm. Portland is a club that I always imagined I would I would play with, and it's the club that I wanted to play with. So now mm. that I'm here, um, before I got here, I would always be like, okay, I know I want to like always ahead, and like, okay, what's right, my right, next right. step? But now that I'm here, I'm like, I want to enjoy it <laughs> because this is it. I'm really happy here. Um, yeah. I have the challenges that I was looking for, and. Um, I guess for me, the next steps uh, in soccer, it's I still haven't won an NWSL championship, and I feel like this is the club to to do that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's like interesting because my whole life I was I always knew where like it was like okay national team okay once I'm done with uh, high school college what's next professional what's next mm. like okay the best club but now I'm here it's weird because I'm like I don't know. What's next? I know for sure it's like I always in the past wanted it was in the back of my head to I want to play in Europe. But that's mm. because in my head, the best clubs in the world were there. But the NWSL is one of the best leagues in the world as well. And Portland is one of the best teams in the NWSL. Um, right. We have to prove that, of course. But historically, historically, it's been like that. So, yeah. so for me, it's like, OK, let me grow and leave a legacy in mm. Portland. I don't know how long I'll be here, but I do know that wherever I go, I, I like to to leave a legacy. And yeah. um, so for me, what's next? It's, yeah, very punctual and uh, the championship. That's awesome. Well, okay. So, so let me ask you this. And I, I've always been interested in this, right? Like when you kind of started this conversation, it was like, my goal is to be a professional soccer player. And you've, you know, you played in college at the highest level. You've gone to the World Cup. You're now, to your point, right, in a fantastic soccer league, one of the best in the world and one of the best clubs in that league. You know, at any point, like, do, do you, like, tr- pause and just try to appreciate that? Is that even possible? You know, because I, I, I th- what we often hear is the person who didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my life would have been so great if I just could have done X, Y, Z, or I just came short, or I didn't get the break. But like, you know, having put yourself in a position to live out your dream, you know, like, can you even appreciate it? I I think so. I, now that you say that, um, last year was a pandemic year, but that was my first year in Portland. So it was, mm-hmm. it was a weird thing because I was really looking forward to... Um, Portland is one of the only places in the world that the stadium gets packed to watch the women's team. I was going to say that it's a bummer that your first year was during COVID because <laughs> exactly. like, it, yeah, Portland, I mean, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and okay. uh, they love their soccer. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I know Portland is just, they're crazy about it. Exactly, exactly. And um, it, it really is a bummer. Uh, <laughs> but um, still, uh, I feel like during the pandemic year, I was like, okay, like, yes, it's a pandemic and everything, but I am here. Like, mm. it's still like, I'm here. It, it's been a wild journey. And it's like, I had worked so much for it. And I actually made a video that I haven't posted yet because um, there were rules about like not posting, like when you go to training or whatever, but I am oh, waiting to launch it um, whenever it hits the, the one year mark when I made that video. And it's oh, actually, cool. it's literally, I, I'm speaking in Spanish on the video, but it's literally about, hey, like pinch yourself and look how far you've gotten, like telling people this, but I'm saying that because that's what I'm realizing at the moment. Yeah. So um, up to this day, even like d there's definitely days where I just go through the motions. I got to go to work. Like you even whine about it. <laughs> but there's other days where I'm like, just wow. Like I'm standing by these amazing players. Mm. I'm, I have this uniform on. Like I, you know, like it's I, I do have those days. And yeah. I think it's so important to have that because like like. I don't want to look back and be like, man, if I would have enjoyed it more or like mm. I had it, I, I was happy. I just didn't realize it or, you know, stuff Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that's something that the average person deals with too. It's like, uh, you know, look, like if I, if I talk about myself for a second, like I, you know, li life can be difficult. It can be stressful. Yeah. And it, there's those times where like I have these three little kids and my wife and I'm like, oh man, like I need to take a stop and just yeah. find, I need to find a way to appreciate this because I'm, I am I, like, to your point, I'm going to look back and be like, those were the best years. Yes. And it's, it's so easy to be so focused on like moving forward or that next thing mm -hmm. that, you know, that, that whole idea of being present, it's uh, easier said than done. So mm -hmm. very cool to, to hear that uh, you're making a conscious effort to do that. And I think there's a, a lesson in that as well. For sure. No, for sure. I, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing else needs to be said there. Perfect. Well, hey, so for for people who want to follow you, wh where should I point them? Because I you do do a great job of uh, posting. Well, um, yes, for the people who would like to follow me, please follow me on uh, Rocky Rocky. So it's R A Q U E underscore Rocky. Uh, mm. That's for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, I post all the videos or most of the videos. Um, it's Raquel Rocky Rodriguez and yep. Facebook. It's also Raquel Rocky Rodriguez or Rocky Rodriguez. One of those. Awesome. Yeah. And, and the podcast, I'll, the, I'll, I'll make sure to link to it. Oh yes. Spotify, Apple is, is it everywhere for the most part? Yes. For the most part, but definitely Spotify. And awesome. yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, man, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I know people are going to take a lot away from this one. I hope so. It was amazing to talk to you, Ken. And thank you so much for the invite. Mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> Let's roll right into it. Okay. Um, this might be interesting for folks. You are a quiet talker. Yeah. My octave is not, is like hard to pick up. Yeah. Like as I'm, as I'm watching this record now, it's, it's still not picking you up great, but <laughs> Can you we, hear me? <laughs> we tried to turn it up a notch and, uh, boy, you're, you're a heavy breather. <laughs> I grossed you out with my breathing. <laughs> and I said, nope, we'll take the lower audio. <laughs> 
<laughs> Over that breathing. Um, <laughs> oh my God. No, that's okay. You literally snored half of last night. Really? And I didn't complain. This is the first time telling you. Oh, it. well, thank you for doing it. I literally thought like, oh, this is kind of comforting. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's love. Yeah. <laughs> that's not love. I don't know what it is. Uh, really? I was snoring, huh? Yeah, you were. Boy, I was dead to the world last night. Did you forget to put your nose thing on? No, I had the nose, had the nose strip. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what though. If I don't. This is a conversation we should have had before the oh. show. <laughs> oh, hey. Hey there. Hope you, hope, hope you enjoyed talking to Rocky. Sorry. We forgot you were there. Uh, man. I... What, 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 just like a cool journey. Yeah. That, you know, that she's been on. Like, you know, it's funny. I, I almost feel like Americans, we, we've become accustomed to like fantastic athletes coming from all corners of the world. Like the NBA is populated with people from all over the world. And there's mm -hmm. some of the best players. Ba Major League Baseball, absolutely. Right. And like Latin Americans and like, uh, you know, the Japanese have a ton of studs and a bunch of South Korea. Like, we. I, In baseball? In baseball, yeah. Um, I almost think that, like, while she was probably at college and having all the success, people were like, oh, yeah, of course. She's, like, this incredible international star that they brought in to dominate. Yeah, you forget how small Costa Rica actually is. You forget how small it is. Like, you know, to, to her point, like, there was not the infrastructure. And I'm talking about sports. Like, to support her getting to that level, like, it really was, you know, just, like, kind of like an impossible rise to the top. Yeah. You know, how many great athletes in these other countries, you know, don't get the opportunity to come to the States or rather so, don't create the opportunity for themselves. Yeah. Before we start the show, we always talk about like who's going first, whatever. Yep. But I feel like that leads into my, I was supposed Ooh, to go second, you're, but uh, I feel like <laughs> fired up. No, please. I think I should go first because it's. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Please. Okay. Yeah. It's a great segue. So, let's, let's hear it. What do you got? When you asked her like what sets her apart and what makes her so good. Mm-hmm. One of the things she says, like, yeah, her technical skills are better than most, but right. another is her unpredictability. Yeah. And a lot of that came from just like playing mm -hmm. soccer. Like, and a lot of times to the detriment of the US, they like everything's so structured and like from such a young age, you're in like structured soccer. So you're not just like out there playing, like kicking it against the wall and like being creative. 100%. So. Thing. No, I, I, I thought that was really interesting. I, I think I brought it up. Um, you know, I, I read that there's actual like some, you know, there's, there's, it's been documented that kids who grow up unstructured play and I'm not saying like, you know what I mean? Face painting each other. <laughs> what? But like, isn't that, what they, isn't that what our kids do all day? Yeah. Um, no, but like, you know, playing the game, but playing in an unstructured manner, like, you yeah, know, like our three-year-old's about to start playing soccer in like a league. That's, I know. Maybe that's and I'm gonna, not the best I'm, thing. I'm going to rip them if it's structured. <laughs> They're like, what? No, here it is structured. At home, it's not. Uh, but no, but it's like when you do it, or like like let's say you know, you're playing basketball. You don't have to play five on five, like four on four, three on three, three on two. Like yeah. it creates different spacing. There's different angles. But like what she was saying, you know, I, I think she said like playing in the street or having the wall be part of the court. Like yeah. it creates a different dynamic and it forces you, you know what I mean? To, to, to like be creative and be creative. Unpredictable. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I thought that was cool. I thought that was awesome. Very cool uh, to hear. And it, it made me think, you know, like one, just <laughs> with kids, like just let them be kids. First of all, I yeah. hope, I hope people know that that's like the stance I take. Uh, 
but number two, it's like, man, like encourage letting them play <laughs> however they want to do it. Uh-huh. You know, you, you, you really can't, you don't know what it is if they are going to be great. Yeah. Don't stifle them. Don't stifle them. Don't stifle <laughs> them with your structure. <laughs> She's like, the structure is actually okay. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, so I thought that was great as well. Um, you know, something else that I, that I think was my like big takeaway from this was uh, the need to like enjoy the moment mm-hmm. and appreciate when you've realized the goal. Uh, yeah. You had a sweet little comment there about enjoying your wonderful, beautiful, fantastic <laughs> wife. It's true. I think this was a direct quote. <laughs> are you tearing up again? <laughs> I think you are. I don't know if they can hear it because I turned your mic down so low. Uh, no, but honestly, yeah, I think about that all the time and it, it'll, it'll actually bother me when I realize like, oh my God, this is so special and I'm not enjoying it the way I know I should mm-hmm. because I'm focused on what I need to do to, you know, and look like for a parent, parents can relate to this. Like you're worried about like safety, protecting them from like the downside, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just all that stuff. You can get so worked up worrying about what could happen in the future. It's very easy to like overlook like how amazing, you know, the what's happening is, in the yeah. present is. So I thought that was, I thought that was like a, a really good lesson. Yeah. Very cool that she thinks about it in that way. Um, how about some of the adversity? Yeah. I, you know, I just suspected because like most college kids have a tough transition leaving mm-hmm. home. Can you imagine going to a different country though? That's what I'm saying. Where they speak like your second language. Yeah, exactly. And the, you're so far from home and everything, like everything's so different. Well, yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, Sports are amazing because a lot of times you show up on campus and, and you have an immediate friend group and family to plug into, mm-hmm. right? It's not like where you, you show up and you're like, oh shit, I got to go meet people at a mixer. <laughs> a mixer. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you got to go to one of these school hosted events and like hope you bump into someone or that your roommate's not a total sociopath. Yeah. You know, so like there, there is that piece of it. And I, I'm sure, like she said, she had an amazing family and like support system around her, but my roommate like said, stole my underwear. <laughs> <Whoop. Freshman year. laughs> nope. Let's dive into that. Let's dive into that. I'm going to put a pin in this. I want to hear more about that. She, she stole my underwear. She stole my favorite pair of jeans at the time. She stole some makeup. She was weird. Oh, so she was just like stealing them and wearing them. Were you getting them back? No, she stole them. And then I like, like we they had were a falling just out in the and other I switched dresser? rooms and she, yeah, she would hide them. And then, oh. when it, then when I moved out and switched rooms halfway through the year, I was like missing so much stuff. And and then a friend of hers that she also had a falling out with told me that she had stolen all of it. Yeah. Damn, that's hardcore. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I had some pretty interesting roommates. Yeah. I actually had a lot of roommates, so maybe I could even tell some stories and I wouldn't even be outing specific people. You did have a lot of roommates. A lot of roommates. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to tell these stories right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they listen. Um, where was I? Adversity. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You had me at underwear. So <laughs> like you said, it being her second language, so far from home. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just like the culture difference. But then on top of that, right, all that stress and people forget like these freshmen, even like stud freshmen, like they're, they're, re- they're one year removed from being a kid. I know. Like it is tough. If you look at like a college freshman, they look like a child. Yeah, they're children. It I remember me. feeling like I was so grown and now looking back at pictures, I was like, wow, I was a child. Oh yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, okay. And also, I think this is a little bit of a, a testament to her mindset. I went back and looked it up. I think she was like second team all Big Ten and like freshman of the year or something, oh, wow. like all freshman team. Wow. So it's clear that she didn't feel like she was played up to her standards yet. Yeah, but she was killing uh, it. Yeah, she was crushing it. So anyways, but I think also, you know, there's probably something to be said for that too. Just like, you know, having very high expectations for yourself. Yeah. Um, but anyways, very cool to hear, you know, persevering through the adversity. I think oftentimes when you see someone who's had a lot of success, you know, you can you can incorrectly assume that maybe they were so good the path was easier for them than most, but like everyone's dealing with the same stuff. Yeah. Which is important to remember. And I think also important to remember because like, man, don't beat yourself up so much if you're having a tough time. Yeah. You know, I think there's there's a good lesson there as well. Agreed. Are you gonna start listening to the seed of the day? I am. It's in Spanish. Oh, maybe not then. (laughs) Can you sit closer to the mic? Sorry. Like now you've you've been here before. You're in my head because I I don't want people to like hear me breathing and be like, ugh, gross. (laughs) No, some people are into that actually. Some people might rewind. I wish I spoke Spanish. Maybe I will listen to it and that'll help me. Ah, yeah, you should. Improve my Spanish. I took Spanish. I took Spanish since I was in kindergarten, so I should know Spanish. You should know Spanish. And I don't know Spanish. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Did you have any uh, tough times transitioning in college? Especially when you're tough at all? Um, Yeah. I miss my mom and dad. (laughs) Well, no, it was just like, it's hard for anyone. And I like, my parents lived 45 minutes away for most of the year. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Wait, 45 minutes, like that's a long distance? No, it's like no distance and it was hard for me. So like her parents lived in a different country. I see what you're saying. You know, some of the kids that I went to school with, like I, I, so I grew up on the other side of the country, right? So that, I mean, yeah, that, that was tough. I struggled. I I had more a culture, uh, shock for other reasons. I was like, I don't know if I belong here. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're a little grunge. We were pretty grunge, (laughs) pretty blue collar. And you went to a very <laughs> yeah. not grunge place. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, Princeton was very uh, not grunge. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, that freshman year, I was like, man, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. So anyways. Yeah. But like you said, it, like you went there for football. So you had like a built-in group of friends and you found some like-minded people. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, can we talk about how cool it is that she scored that first goal? Yeah, that's for the- awesome. Like, you know, like thinking about it, and she even kind of alluded to this too. It's like, it's not just, can you be good enough to make the team? It's, can you be good enough to make the team at the right time in that four-year cycle? Mm -hmm. Can you stay healthy? You know, like, (laughs) because it's like so many things have to align for you to be like at your peak at the right time, either why the World Cup or the Olympics is going on. Yeah. Pretty awesome that she was able to score that first goal ever. Yeah, and how old was she? Uh man, I think you know what she must have been. I think it was between her junior and senior year. Like she yeah, was still in college. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a great one. That was a great one. I don't know. What else should we talk about? <laughs> People like that, that's enough. No, you're, that was good. That was it. You've done enough. Go to, <laughs> go to sleep. Yeah, I know. Maybe one day we'll start recording these during the day. Yeah. Uh, maybe when the kids are like grown. until then i don't see it happening um all right well hey everybody thank you for listening as always we really appreciate it uh if you'd be so kind leave us a rating and review 
And if you'd like to get in touch with us, go to KenGunter.com. Uh, I definitely respond to all my emails. I'm dragging on Instagram. I apologize. Maybe I'll maybe I'll just go through tomorrow and just get back to everybody. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I should. You're rude. I should. I should because you deserve it. You're very rude. Yeah, sorry. It's busy. End of quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Well, hey, have a good one, and we will see you next time. See you next time.